Shirley. And Manisha from Make It Shine, the money podcast. On today's podcast, what is the pink tax? If you think you're spending more on female products, you're not wrong. We'll explain what it means and how it affects you. Keep listening to learn more. the pink tax. First of all, what does it even mean? Well, it's not an actual tax, but it's a term that describes how the same service or product is priced higher when marketed for women than men. And we see this in everyday items like shampoos, skincare, razors, and many of these items are packaged in the color pink. So next time you go shopping, check out the prices of male versus female packaging for the same product. You'll spot examples of this pretty quickly. Yeah, that's right. There's a clip from the Ellen show where she does this whole monologue on big pens. Mm-hmm. So Bic actually launched a new lines of pens called Bic for Her. <laughs> they actually <laughs> they made pens marketed at women that are like pastel pink and purple because obviously that's what women want from a pen. And Bic says it designed its Bic crystal for her pens with a sleek pen silhouette and jeweled accents to add style and claims that the pens are designed to fit comfortably in a woman's hand because, you know, our hands are so different. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so that's terrible. But the worst part, a normal big pen costs 37 cents each. And one of these big pens for her... They cost 47 cents each. So that's 27% more. And it's not just in products. I mean, even everyday services. So prices at the dry cleaners. A man's shirt costs $4.85 to dry clean. And then the same business is going to charge $7 for a short sleeve blouse and $9 if it's a long sleeve, you know, for women. And how are these things different to clean? A blouse is the same thing as a shirt. But because it's a woman's top, it's more expensive. Yes, and what about the price of haircuts? Right. Starting prices for men versus women are drastically different, and this is without considering the length of hair. In fact, the New York City Department of Consumer Affairs completed a study on gender pricing, and there's a detailed 80-page report of its findings. So from baby clothes, toys, bikes, safety equipment, to healthcare items, they found that items marketed at women cost an average of 1300 U.S. more a year. And it builds up with small things. Like, you don't notice it, but it adds up. So, for example, a degree deodorant at Walmart sells for $3.88 for a woman, but it's $2.47 for men. A three-pack of Gillette razors sells at $11.99 for women, but it's $10.99 for men. I mean, Gap jeans for women is $69.95. The same fit of jeans for men actually sells at $59.95. So, across the board, there's markups if you're a woman. (laughs) Yep. And here's a good one. an article where a laxative company branded the same product, one in pink packaging and one in blue. So the pink one costs 50 cents more. And were the ingredients different? Nope. So here's another one. A pink bike helmet versus a blue one. The pink one is also more expensive. Oh, and get this. A pink calculator costs $1 more than a black calculator. So someone in marketing and pricing is actually making the decision to charge more for pink things marketed at women for the same item. That is so crazy about the laxative company because we all have the same digestive functions. <laughs> like we, It shouldn't be marketed differently just because we're different genders or different sex. And then not just charge more, there's actually a strategy to shrink it and pink it which actually means that you make smaller, more quote-unquote dainty items, you label them petite and delicate, and then you sell it to women at a higher cost. So you're actually going to get less product and pay more for it. 
So why does this keep happening? Two common reasons you're going to hear in support of this pink tax is number one, some female products cost more to produce. So this is like, I think the number one that I hear all the time, they're like, oh, men don't have jojoba oil in their shampoo and other fancy ingredients. So naturally women's stuff is more expensive. Or number two, marketing and pricing experts have believed that there are certain products that women are willing to pay more for if they're pure feminine or gender specific. Yeah, so people will say that the women's razor, like the Venus brand has this expensive moisturizing gel or shampoos have more ingredients that make them more expensive. But in reality, many of the basic items like the basic big single blade razor, it still price discriminates based on color. And that's based on reason number two, that marketers believe that women value personal hygiene more than men. And that's why they're willing to pay more for it. Yeah. Like you actually have to convince men to buy shampoo to begin with. They'll just use soap <laughs> for everything. So you don't have, like, you can't make it too expensive to buy. But when it comes to women, well, I mean, society's already convinced us that having body hair as, a, as an example is terrible. So with that mindset, women will pay anything because they're already convinced that they should have a razor, so they'll pay more than what a man pays. Yeah, but what I think makes matters worse is when they start this discrimination early, like with kids. Totally agree. There's so many products that are made to be pink that have no reason to be pink. So I didn't grow up in Canada. And as a baby, when I was in India, like nobody cares about blue or pink or whatever when you're dressing your child. And it's also what makes hand-me-downs really easy because everything is gender neutral. And after I had my first child, one of the things that surprised me was... Even for children, not only like you have these different sets of colors, right? You've got pinks, lavenders, whatever for girls, but you actually have different cuts of the same clothing. Yeah, and clothing for girls is on average 13% more expensive than boys. Yeah, exactly. And why should a baby boy's shirt be cut to look more boxy and a baby girl's shirt to be cut to be look more curvy? I mean, they're all babies. It should all be unisex, to be honest. I remember there was a YouTube video with a girl named Riley in the early 2010s where she was in the toy aisle and asked her dad, why do girls have to buy pink stuff and boys get to buy all the other colors? And over 4 million people watched that on YouTube. Yeah, they actually had a campaign as a result of that in the UK called Let Toys Be Toys because you know, a lot of research shows that reinforcement of pink for women actually starts really young. And you know, if you always wore pink, that's what you end up liking. So once you get older, the group dynamics, in fact, so strong that you want to belong to a group. You decide mentally that, hey, pink is the right color because that's the color everybody wears. That's feminine. And so much of that is reinforced by marketing and product availability. So if you want a toy in yellow, it's just not available. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was younger, everything Barbie came in pink. But if you want it green or blue, it wasn't even a choice. Yeah. I mean, there's a study that was done on women and men in Newcastle University that actually tried to link color preference to like prehistoric times by saying women like pink because ripe fruits are red and, you know, hunters don't care about color but are looking at movement. I mean, I found that study to be so bizarre because there's so many fruits that are not red when ripe. Obvious example, sure, apple is red, strawberries are red, but can you think of any other fruit outside of that that's red when ripe? I don't know. I can only think of a watermelon right now because it's so hot and they're always green outside even if it's red on the inside. I mean, and even that study acknowledged that, hey, universally the most preferred color is blue. The sky is blue. Water is blue. And blue and green actually are the colors in nature that we're the most exposed to. So this whole pink thing is really just a marketing gimmick. And to be honest, it reminds me of that De Beers strategy that we talked about in our podcast, The Cost of Getting Married, you know, that got men to budget for three months of salary for an engagement ring. Yeah, and regarding the color pink, looking at art from the 18th century, there was no color preference or association with gender. So men and women, they wore pink, blue, or any other color equally. Over time, though... 
pink was associated with boys because pink is close to the color red, which is seen as strong, active, it's aggressive color. And then blue was a much gentler color and associated with girls. But then at some point, that association changed. So red and pink were associated with romance and emotions that became associated with girls. So anyways, fast forward some more, and now retailers and marketing companies eventually branded pink for girls and blue for boys. So between the late 40s and the early 70s, designing things in pink, you know, designing everything in pink, really, from golf balls to telephones to toy trains, and like we said, ballpoint pens were starting to be made in pastel for her colors, right, and marketed towards women. The big pen actually isn't even the first female pen. In 1962, there's something called the Lady Capri pen by Papermates, and it was billed as completely feminine and practical for women who demand heavy-duty pen elegance. Oh my God, I need to Google this pen (laughs) and see what it looks like. So these manufacturers back in the day, they realized that if you take an ordinary object and turn it pink and put the word lady in front of the name, then you've created a product for women that can be sold for more money. And it reinforces this idea that to be female is to be gentle, soft, and everything nice. A lot of it was actually driven by the end of World War II. So during the war, because all the men were fighting, women left their homes to start working in factories. But after the war ended, all the returning men actually needed their jobs back. So middle-class women who had now worked in factories during the war and had been really good at it were being asked to go back and to focus on their roles at homemakers and wives. And the manufacturers were like, oh, we should design all these new women-only products for their homes. So washers, dryers, or, you know, even they have pink princess phones that were designed to incentivize women to stay at home. (laughs) That's why you see all these appliances from that era and all these pastel colors. Yes, totally. And if you think of the musicians of the era, all of them dress so flamboyantly. Elvis is wearing bejeweled outfits, all colors, including pink. And I mean, the song Pink Cadillac is about a man's car that's pink. And yet today, if you would advertise a pink car, people would automatically think it's a female car. And as women, we pay more for everyday things. And don't forget, the gender pay gap, that still exists around the world. And women make up 50% of the population, so this impacts roughly 4 billion of us. So what can we do about it? Well, awareness is the first step. Did you realize the pink tax exists? And to this extent? Now, yes. I mean, as a parent, I'm hyper-conscious of it. Not just because it's more expensive, but just that reinforcement. It's going to have a cost that's going to be forced upon like my child for the rest of her life. If I keep buying her pink things and then she believes she needs these pink things, then we're stuck in this bizarre tax loop for no reason. So what we need to do is force manufacturers to make good products and make revenues by being better, not just calling things lady something and making them pink. Yep, I agree. So even luxury watch manufacturers are thinking about making unisex watches. So if you strip all the marketing away, people recognize that as a watch manufacturer, you should just make amazing watches and cater to 100% of the audience. Right. An example is watch company Lucerne. So they were making gender collections and sold about 6,000 watches a year with an 80-20% split between men and women. And then in 2019, they designed a unisex collection and ended up selling 30,000 watches, so five times more with a 60-40% split between men and women. So by making all styles accessible to everyone, they were actually making a lot more money. Yeah, and Hublot actually launched a huge gender-neutral watch campaign. They actually put pink watch on the hands of a French footballer. And they said, hey, as a brand, it's not for us to decide if a watch is for a man or a woman. It's just for a rich person in this case. Yeah, so it feels like a simple thing to say, but doesn't it make the most business sense? Yeah. 
I think more things benefit from being unisex. Look at bicycles or any sporting equipment. There are plenty of women that are, have a bigger build and then plenty of men that have a more petite build. The equipment should be designed for fit, not gender. And that's one reason to think of this as a universal challenge, not just a female issue. So whether it's because it means any woman that you buy anything for is paying more, or simply because it's a cheap way for companies to stay in business instead of innovating and making their products better. Absolutely. Another thing you can do if you spot the pink tax is to point it out. So I was listening to Planet Money podcast and they had an episode about Maddie. So at the time she was 12 and her favorite video game was Temple Run. And the default character in that game is a male character. And if she wanted to play as a female character, she actually had to pay for it. I love this story. And Maddie is so inspirational. And she actually wrote an op-ed about it. So to the video game creator's credit, they responded to Maddie's op-ed and admitted that when they designed the game, the male character was a default free character. And in order to generate revenue for the game, they had to design more characters and ended up charging for them, which included female characters. And interestingly enough, 60% of their game players are female. So in Maddie's op-ed, she also downloaded 50 video games similar to Temple Run, and she tracked out of the 50 games, 37 of them offered free male characters, and only five offered a free female character. And on average, the cost to play as a female character was $7. Right. So the average cost of downloading the 50 apps ended up as 26 cents. So it costs 29 times more to play as a female character. Oh my God, that's crazy. So Maddie's a great example of what you know, being a vigilant consumer and demanding more actually results in action. Another great example of this, you know, pink tax activism is the abolishment of the tampon tax in countries like the UK and Canada. And when I found out about this, that tampons and women's personal hygiene products are taxed and they weren't considered essential products where honestly, like women have an essential need for them. Yeah, I didn't realize how impacted everyone is even today by the pink tax. But now that I know, I can and I will make the decision to not buy into the pink tax. Unisex products or non-pink items are perfectly fine for me. Hey, small actions spur big change. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Give us a five-star rating and don't forget to make it shine. Any views or opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the podcast creators and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the owner may or may not be associated with in professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. 